0: welcome, everybody. Uh, Good morning. Welcome to River Glen, whether you're here with us in Waukesha, over in Pewaukee, or online. Just delighted uh, to have you uh, with us. Today we begin a new series called uh, Recalibrate. But before we get into that, I want to show you a picture of our uh, granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah, her name is uh, Emily. And uh, our daughter Taylor and her husband John welcomed uh, Emily Joan Chesky into the world on uh, Tuesday, and now Taylor and John are recalibrating their lives and uh, recalibrating their sleep. Yeah, we're just delighted to, uh, for all of them. I want to begin by describing two categories of, of people, and then I want you to decide which category you fall into. When it comes to driving directions and uh, navigation, you can pretty much divide everybody up into two categories, two camps. There are those who completely trust GPS whether it's Google Maps, Waze, or whatever. You know, you punch it in, you punch in your destination, you follow it, and done deal. And then there are those who who think they know more than GPS. You know, you use it, but uh, half the time you go, I know a shortcut that Google Maps doesn't know. And so I'm curious on this one, Uh, show of hands, how many of you would say I completely trust uh, GPS more than my own sense of uh, direction? You know, I punch it in and uh, done deal. Okay, yeah, quite a few. And then how many of you would say, you know what, I, think, I, I don't think GPS should be fully trusted. I don't put my full trust into uh, GPS. Uh, yeah, wow, it's about 50-50, pretty even uh, uh, here. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from the TV show The Office with uh, Dwight Schrute and Michael Scott illustrates these two categories perfectly. It goes like this.
1: That is a very good point, Dwight. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. It means bear right. No, up there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 no. Look. It it means go up to the right, bear right over the bridge, and hook up with three o seven. Make a right. Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's look, a lake right, there. I think you it knows where it is going. This, is the, the lake. Machine this knows. is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No. It's Stop up there. There's no room. here.
0: Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window.
1: Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. Look out for Leetons! Michael! Right Are you okay? Swim for it! I got you! I got
0: you! Michael! Right right Isn't that great? I love that line, the machine knows! Well, long before uh, GPS and uh, you know Google Maps, we had these right here. Uh, compass. Anybody ever use one of these? Anybody ever play with... Uh, a compass. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. I, uh, in fact, I did a little bit of homework, and there are people who think this is the greatest invention, the single greatest invention in all of uh, history. Back in, in 206 BC in China, they figured out that the earth is like a big magnet, and there's this uh, magnetic pull that points the direction, points the arrow on the compass, in the direction of true north, and uh, they invented the compass. And by inventing the compass, it allowed people to travel and to begin to explore. Before the compass, every mariner would fear getting off course at sea and ending up in a bad place and a place they didn't want to be and ending up shipwrecked and uh, getting lost at sea has just always terrified people. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but getting lost at sea is a very common uh, storyline in movies and and, in TV shows. For example, uh, Castaway, maybe some of you have seen that. Perfect Storm, another one. There are just tons of these. Titanic, Captain Phillips, uh, Life of Pi, the Poseidon Adventure last summer, Adrift. Nobody saw it, but uh, Adrift came out last uh, summer. And of course, the most terrifying one. Yeah, Gilligan's Island. Yeah, right there. Because in the middle of a storm, we need something that will keep us from getting lost. And that, that's what makes the compass such a remarkable tool. In good weather or bad weather, it kept them on course. In a storm or in calm, it, it kept them on course. Day or night, it kept them on course. And here's why what we're talking about today is so important for everyone. Because every life is going to have storms. I love the way Jesus shoots straight with us in John chapter 16. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's just the way it is, Jesus says. He says, he says Ben, you're going to have trouble in life. My life is going to have trouble. Your life is going to have trouble. It will happen. And some of us right now are probably in the middle of, of a storm, maybe, maybe a financial struggle, maybe a relational storm, an emotional storm, a vocational storm. Perhaps a health storm. We take these crazy twists and turns in life, and here's what happens. It's easy for us to drift off course, especially in the middle of of trouble. It's easy to lose perspective and forget the truths that we want to build our lives upon. In the middle of storms and troubles, it's easy to wander from God and lose our way and end up in places that we never intended uh, to, emotionally, emotionally. Uh, relationally and even physically. And what we need in life is is, is something like this that will say, this is north. This is true north. We need a tool that recalibrates us and helps us find our way. And uh, so I'm really excited about this uh, new series that we're beginning. Uh, Today, it's going to run for the next few weeks, and it's called Recalibrate. For the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the tools that God has given us to keep us on course, keep us from getting lost, to help us find our way in the middle of storms when life brings trouble. And one of the ways, one of the primary ways that recalibrates our lives is through worship. Worship, when you really understand it, has a way of realigning us in the direction of true north. Worship has a way of recalibrating our our hearts, and our minds back toward God. Now, if that's true, if worship is one of those tools, instruments that recalibrates us, what exactly is worship? What is worship? What does it mean to worship God? I mean, some people think worship is uh, standing up and singing songs like we did uh, a, a moment ago. Um, is, is that worship? Is that worship? I would say Maybe. Some people think worship is reserved for super spiritual people. They, you know, they raise their hands and close their eyes, and, and, and maybe you wonder what they're doing. Is that worship? Maybe. Some people think worship is something that happens at certain times, in certain locations, like right now, like when we gather together in this room. Is this worship? Is, is this worship? I, I would say Maybe. Back in the days of Jesus, people had similar ideas, similar notions about worship. In fact, one time, Jesus had a conversation with a, a woman who held a common misconception about a worship. And I want to look at that scripture with you for a moment. I want to invite you to open your Bible or, or, or turn it on if it's on your phone to John chapter 4. John's the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John. It's one of the biographies about Jesus. And in the fourth chapter, Jesus has a conversation with this Samaritan uh, woman. Now, let me give you a little bit of background here. Jesus is a uh, Jewish man. This is a Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans lived in total opposition to each other. I mean, this is kind of like uh, Bear fans and Packer fans or Cub fans and uh, Brewer fans. You, you know what I'm talking about. But this is a whole nother level. I mean, they despised one another. And here's what they fought over. This, this might be kind of hard for you to believe. But they fought about... The proper place to worship. The Samaritans, on the one hand, they believed that Mount Gerizim, located 50 miles north of Jerusalem, Mount Gerizim was the proper place to worship. And so they built a temple at Mount Gerizim. But the Jewish people totally disagreed. In fact, they disagreed so much, in 128 BC, they went and destroyed the Samaritan temple at Gerizim because they believed that you should should actually worship in Jerusalem. And this dispute over the, over the proper location for worship, I mean, it raged for years and years. And it sets the context for this conversation Jesus has with this uh, Samaritan woman at a well outside of a little uh, village. And uh, here's what she asked him. She said, sir, the woman said, "Can I, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. You see what's going on here? she raises the key worship question of that uh, day, which is this, where should I worship? And for, for many of us, it's not unlike the question, where should I go to church? Now, um, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm pro-church, in case you're wondering about that, in case you uh, didn't know. Uh, I think church is, is good, church is important, but we're gonna discover that where you go to worship is not nearly as important as how. How you worship. Uh, Because what happens when Jesus answers this this question, the woman asked at the well, he recalibrates the entire conversation around uh, worship. Look at what he says. He says, Woman, uh, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from uh, the Jews, yet a time is coming. Here's what's coming, Jesus says. Here's what we all need to do to recalibrate, redirect, realign, and get pointed in true north. A time is coming and has now come when the, say this with me, true worshipers. How many of you want to be a true worshiper? It's really important. Jesus tells us how to do that. True worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in the uh, truth. Now, remember, this woman knows that, you know, generations of people have argued about worship. But Jesus sets the record straight that where you worship is not the primary concern. It's how. And if you've gathered with us uh, today, if you've come to church uh, today, that's great. That's awesome. I'm glad you're here. But just getting here, the where is not the primary concern. The how, how are you going to respond to these moments, these worship moments, how you respond, that is the primary uh, concern. Now, here at River Glen, we challenge people to practice what we call the three Cs. We want to make everyone a three C follower of Jesus. These are actually three relationships and uh, we encourage everybody if you're new we encourage you to step into these because they'll help you grow spiritually celebrate is what happens in this gathering we celebrate what God has done and what God is currently doing and what we believe God will do in the future and we connect with each other in relationships through smaller groups and teams encouraging and supporting one another and then we contribute to the mission of Jesus by giving our time and our talents and our treasure. And we encourage everybody to practice all three of these. Now, now here's a question for you. Let me ask you, which of these three is uh, worship? Which of these is, is wor- worship? Which one? What would you say? All of them. All of them. You guys are smarter. You guys know more about this than I thought. Because I thought you might say celebrate. Because when we gather in here to celebrate, it is kind of a mountaintop experience. It is kind of a Mount Gerizim type experience, but celebrate is not all there is to worship. Connecting with each other and doing life together, that's also worship. Contributing and making a difference in this world, that's worship as well. Because here's the definition for worship that I really want, and I really want this to stick, especially throughout this series. Worship is this. Worship is giving your whole self to God. I'm going to say it again, and then uh, I'm going to ask you to, to, to say it. Worship is giving your whole self to God. What is worship? Okay, you didn't sound like you gave your whole self there, okay? What is worship? Much better. Yeah, that's right. That's important. I want that to stick because that's the definition Jesus gives to this Samaritan woman. He points her in true north. He says it's not just about showing up at the temple. Or at church, it's about giving your whole self to God. And you know what? You can do that any place. You can do that anywhere. And then he gets even clearer. He says, here's how you do it. You do it here, you do it there, you do it anywhere. But here's how you do it. You, 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 you worship in the spirit and in truth. Now, that's a little bit fuzzy, isn't it? I mean, what does that, what does that mean? To worship in the spirit and in truth. If you want to be a true worshiper... How do you do that? Well, Jesus says worship is it's not just showing up on Saturday or Sunday at a church building and it's not it's not just about, you know, music, great music or musicians. No, it's an inner reality. It's something that we do in spirit and in truth. And when he says first of all, in the spirit, he means worship when we really worship and give our whole self to God, our spirit recalibrates and aligns with the spirit of, of God, because it's easy when, when we go through trouble, when we go through storms, for us to drift from what God desires for us, which is always what's best for us. But worship, true worship, the how, it brings our hearts back in alignment with God's heart. And, and when I say heart, I mean our convictions, our loyalties, our desires. I want different things. Suddenly, what's important to me begins to change. When we get the how of worship, because it turns our hearts back toward God. And this can happen um, um, any, anywhere, not just, not just in this room. I had a, a, a powerful worship moment alone in my office uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I was online, I was listening to a message uh, given by a friend of mine. who was teaching through the book of James and he was talking about pitfalls in the book of James uh, to avoid because they can be hazardous to us. And so he was given this teaching on On pride, and to be honest, my first reaction was, I don't think I really have a problem with pride. And I thought, well, I'll I'll listen to some of this. Maybe I can use it to help, help somebody else. But he gave a definition of pride that I've never heard before. He said, pride is not what you think about yourself. Pride is not how you feel about yourself. Pride is how you position yourself. How you position yourself. And we've got to be careful that we don't position ourselves up here and put God down here. Or put ourselves up here, myself up here, and other people down, down here. And you know what? That, that impacted me personally. I needed to hear that. It was like God saying to me, Ben, I've got things that I want you to do, but I need you to, to more fully surrender. And God did some work in my heart right there in my office. I, it felt like God realigned my spirit with his spirit. He recalibrated my spirit with his spirit. He pointed me in the direction of true north. True worship turns our hearts, our convictions, our desires back toward God. Now, I felt some emotion in that moment. Oftentimes, uh, emotion accompanies worship. Sometimes in here, we feel, we feel things, which is good. Emotions come from God, but, but worship, true worship, is much more than just emotion. Uh, songwriter Graham Kendrick explains it this way. He says, worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling which comes upon you. But it is vital that we understand that it is rooted in a conscious act of the will. It leads you to make a decision, some kind of decision to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. That's true worship. True worship recalibrates our spirit with the spirit of God. But then the second part comes up. We don't just worship in the spirit. We worship in truth. If in the spirit refers to our heart... I think in truth refers to our, our heads. True worship recalibrates our minds with the mind of God. We ground ourselves in the teachings of Jesus, in the teachings of Scripture. We decide to more fully align our life with the way that Jesus uh, lived. Now, now, again, worship is not limited to what happens in this room, but it does happen in this room. And, and you know what? It happened for me this weekend, uh, sitting right over here, sitting in a chair, uh, right over here, when we uh, sang the new song, Hallelujah from below. It, it really impacted me, especially that line where it says, We are an altar of broken stones. Yeah, it comes from a verse in Scripture in Exodus chapter uh, 20 or 25 where God said, If you build an altar <clears throat> of worship to worship me, don't use polished stones. Don't use, don't use, uh, <clears throat> dressed stones. God says just use natural stones. It felt like God saying to me, <clears throat> Ben, you don't have to be perfect to worship me. Come as you are and worship me with your with your brokenness, with your struggles, with your hurts. God recalibrated my mind while I sat right over there. Worship can happen uh, here and I hope it happens in here. And that's why we need to have a rhythm of every seven days. Gathering together so that we make sure that it happens, but it can also happen anywhere, anytime, because worship is not where it's how. Worship is how. It's when you recalibrate your heart and your spirit with God's heart and God's spirit. and you recalibrate your mind with the mind of, of God. About 20 years ago, a church in England it was called a Soul Survivor Church, gained a great reputation for having just fantastic. Uh, worship music, great worship music. They had a very talented and uh, a great worship pastor by the name of Matt Redman. Maybe you've heard of him. He's written many worship songs. We've sung many of them here, like Blessed Be Your Name and 10,000 Reasons. But those who were part of the church during that time, they would tell you that they went through a season as a church where they got preoccupied with making sure they had such a high quality of music such a high production level that they almost lost sight of uh, why they were doing what they were doing. In fact, many of them described it as worshiping the worship experience. And so the pastor of the church, a guy, a guy named Mike, <clears throat> he brought the band together, and, and uh, this is just for them. This is just what they did. They, they decided to get rid of the sound system for a season. And they uh, stripped back the uh, stripped everything back, they they ignored uh, production, and they had all the people gather with just their voices. He said, Mike said, uh, we want to get back to the heart of worship. Now, the first Sunday they tried this, uh, Mike admits it was, it was awkward. You know, you think it's going to be good, and it, and it just wasn't. But eventually the people got comfortable with singing a cappella and, and, and praying uh, simple, heartfelt uh, prayers and experiencing God in a fresh, new way. And here's what happened in this church. It made them realize that Worship is not just showing up in a building. And it was not just about singing or singing when the band is really good, but instead, worship is giving your whole heart to God. Celebrate, connect, contribute with the spirit in your heart and the truth in your mind realigning with God. And as a result of that season, Matt Redmond wrote a song called "The Heart of Worship." And maybe some of you know it. Maybe some of you have heard it. It became like an anthem at this church and for many other churches. We sang it many times here. The lyrics go like this. When the music fades, all is stripped away. And I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I want to show you just a, a short clip. Uh, from a few years ago in Atlanta of a stadium filled with people and uh, millions and millions of dollars of sound and audio equipment with simply a guitar and a little bit of keys uh, behind it. It goes like this.
1: When the music fades all is stripped away And I simply come And just to bring something that's worth that will bless your heart, my God. And I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself uh, is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. So about you,
0: Jesus, I'm coming. Yeah, it's easy to see why that song is so powerful because it has a true message. And if we're honest, it's so easy to allow things to get in the way of true worship. Our desires can get in the way of true worship. Our worries and preoccupations can get in the way of true worship. Our agenda and having it our way can get in the way of true worship. Even worship music can get in the way of true worship. Because worship is coming before God and offering our whole selves to him. And when we do that with music or without music, it recalibrates our, our hearts and our minds back toward uh, God. So true worship is an inner reality where we worship in the spirit, and in truth. But I also want to mention that true worship also has an outer reality. For example, when you get a text message from someone in your group who's going for a job interview, or maybe they have a parent who is ill, and you pause and you pray for them, that is true worship. When we uh, go out into the community and we serve needs through Love Walkie or Love Pewaukee, that is true worship. When we give generously to the mission of making more and better followers of Jesus, that is true worship. Because worship is coming before God and offering our whole selves to him. The Apostle Paul reminds us about this and he gives us a challenge in the book of Romans. Here's what he says in uh, chapter 12, verse 1. This is kind of a pivot verse in this very important book. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, God's been so good to us. We can totally trust him to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, your whole selves, holy and pleasing to God. Look at this. This is your true and proper worship. Paul challenges us to find moments, Sunday moments, Monday moments, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday moments. Find moments when you offer yourself to God because that is your true and proper worship and it recalibrates our whole life from the inside out, and it points us in the direction of true north. I learned something uh, fascinating this week about uh, the compass. It, it, it surprised me. Uh, think about this. If you go somewhere and you begin one degree off course, okay, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like it really matters a whole lot uh, initially. If you go uh, six feet, one degree off, you'll miss your target by less than an inch. If you go 100 yards, you'll miss your target by five feet, which is a little more noticeable. After a mile, you'll be off your target by 92 feet. Uh, One degree is starting to make a difference. If you travel from San Francisco to to, uh, Washington, D.C., one degree off, you'll end up north of Baltimore. If you get on a rocket to the moon, one degree off, you'll miss the moon by 4,169 miles, not even close. And so we gotta be really careful about drifting even a little bit, even one degree. Some of us have drifted and we've ended up in places that we never intended to be. Some of us might even be drifting right now and what you need is worship. You, you You don't just need to come to church. You need to give yourself Give your whole self to God because worship is like a spiritual GPS. Worship is like God's compass pointing us in the right direction. Worship recalibrates our hearts, our spirits, and our minds. And here's the good news. When you worship and you move closer to God, even one degree closer, you know what? Your life gets better. Your relationships will get better. Your life will have more meaning and, and purpose. And when we all recalibrate, when we all realign <clears throat> as a community of people, it makes our church better. And so here's the challenge for every one of us as uh, we prepare to, prepare to share communion in, in just a moment. Let's not make this a, a, a routine moment. Let's, uh, let's make this a worship moment. Let's, let's go all in. And let's give our whole selves To God, Where every one of us would go, you know, I want my spirit uh, to line up with God's spirit. I want my mind to line up with God's mind. During this next song, the servers are going to pass trays down your uh, row. The the bread in the bottom cup represents the the body of Jesus. The juice in the top cup represents the blood of Jesus. And I would love for you to go, I want some of that. I want to align my life uh, with, with Jesus' life. I want to recalibrate my life. You're welcome to participate. Our communion is open. We are going to take communion in a different way today. We're going to pass the trays during this next song. And I want you to hold that cup. Hold the cups. And um, hold the cups. And then in the middle of the song, uh, we're going to lead you to take it together. And in the same way, Jesus gave his whole life for us. Let's let's make this a moment of worship where we give our whole selves uh, to him. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for worship. Thank you for the compass that you have provided for us to recalibrate our hearts and minds, uh, to point us in the direction of true north. God, it's so easy for us to drift off course and lose our way and forget what is most important to us, especially, especially in the middle of a storm, in the middle of trouble. God, would you help us to align our hearts and our spirits and our minds with you today? We want to follow you in the right direction. And God, thank you for the way that, that Jesus gave his whole self for us. Right now, we, we remember his sacrifice on, on the cross. And would you help us in these next few moments to give our whole selves to you? And it's in his name I pray. Amen.